need an Advil. Maybe a second chance. Hey! Welcome to Stargate Second Chances, a Walking Through the Stargate podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this is episode nine, where we'll be talking about the season four episode, Beneath the Surface. Yeah! Woo! Yeah, we get to watch this and again. Thank you very much mm-hmm. to all of our Patreon supporters, uh, especially for this case, those who voted for this episode. Uh, yeah. This one is for you. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just exciting. Brent, we're back podcasting again. It's been a few weeks. Yes, it has. Uh, a nice, a nice restful few weeks, and yeah. I've been uh, I've been popping some things into the feed. We had a. Uh, so, you know, you Patreon listeners are already aware that we had the Walking Through the Walking Through the Stargate special filler episode that happened. Uh, those of you listening on the feed, that's like ancient history to you guys. But uh, um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, special thanks to David. And yeah. who was it? Uh, it was uh, Casey Lydia and Lydia Ann. And Casey. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's right. For, for producing, producing that. And uh, for those of you who are listening, this, when it first pops out, uh, you can expect at least one, I think two, or walking through walking through the Stargates are in the works uh, yep. that David is working on, which is exciting. Uh, that's pretty awesome. Uh, so, thank you very much for all of that. Brent, shall we dig into this episode? Yeah, let's get into all it. All right, so just a reminder that this is directed by Peter DeLuise, and it's uh, the teleplay is by Heather E. Ash. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the original air date for Beneath the Surface was September 1, 2000. Mm-hmm. So from where we are sitting right now, it was almost 22 years ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we uh, So it received on IMDb a 7.4. Okay. Uh, and out of 10. Out of 10. And we reviewed this episode on May 10, 2020. So it's been a couple Man. years since we talked about it. That's like ancient history. I know. I know, just, yes. Yeah, and, you know, I'll confess a little bit. I thought this episode was a different episode until I started watching it, and I'm like, right, what happens in this one again? <laughs> so, I, so I'm glad I got to rewatch it again. <laughs> okay, now, now, now I got to curious. What episode were you thinking this was? I thought this was uh, the Under the Sea one with the fish fish dude. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, that's Fire and Water. Oh, the, the, the aptly named Fire yes. and Water. Yes. <laughs> That's a season one episode. I yeah, think. yeah, 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 yeah. That's why. That's why when you said it was season four, and I'm like, "Huh, really? I thought that was earlier." <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Brent. Yeah. Uh, give me a brief synopsis. What was beneath the surface actually about? It's not fire and yeah, water. Yeah. So. Else. Yep. This is the one. This isn't the one where they're under the uh, under the water with fish, dude, with fire and ice or fire and water. No. This is the one where they are the where SG one is working. Working away under the ice, so they think, forgetting who they are. Uh, but they're not really under the ice. I mean, like, you know, the city is, but they're under the city. Uh, anyway, so so lots of burly dudes, like real burly dudes, work next to flames like the entire episode. While uh, Jonah and Thera and um, Cloma... Uh, Clax, Dan, Dan, I, I can't remember Daniel's character's name, but anyway, it's, it's, it's those, it's those Carlin. three. Carlin, Carlin, thank you. Uh, they're all, they're all there. Plus, uh, plus, uh, tour the secret network. They are all working their their way through the mystery of who they are, right? Uh, why they are here, working away, and what to do about all these like glimmers of knowledge that they keep getting from a previous existence. With, uh, you know, that's saying. Right. Like 
you know, like they're, they have all these, like these dreams of, of a pool of shimmering water and they're all there. And, and, uh, you know, little plastic bowls have magical significance. (laughs) (laughs) And apparently our contraband, like, you know, like, like O'Neill shoves it under his pillow, like better not let anybody see that I have a bowl. (laughs) So anyway, meanwhile, night sickness and all of that night sickness and all that. That's right. That's yeah. Yeah. yeah, You're right. There you go. That's, that's, that's the plausible thing. Uh, meanwhile, up above, uh, Brenna, uh, like the four person is having second thoughts about the situation, uh, as the administrator is clearly a devilish man intent on not upsetting the status quo of the city and the factory that produces what the city has. Uh, even if these like mere workers are completely broken in the process. Uh, you know, the the whole uh, one of my workers came up with a way to, to allow for, um, you know, like a vast increase of efficiency of energy production. You know, but that sounds to me like we might not need workers ever. Yeah. That, that, yeah, that sounds terrible to me. <laughs> so uh, we end up having an us versus the man episode that ends with SG-1 punching their way to freedom. <laughs> <laughs> while the administrator, while the administrator has a complete inability to shoot straight. <laughs> He seems fine with just winging Brenna. Uh, Like, I thought that was going to go down a little bit, you know, like, because, again, I kind of forgot a lot about what this episode was. And he pulls the trigger and Brenna goes down with a shot to the arm. And part of me wonders, because of the way it was shot, I know I'm getting I'm mixing my analysis with my my synopsis right now. Um, The way it was shot, I wonder if the original if the original script was that Brenna actually dies. Like, I don't think that we ever see the administrator with the gun and Brenna in the same shot. It's always cut. Like the yeah. whole, the whole way through. I wonder if the, I wonder if the original take was that they was that he killed her. And they were like, you know, maybe we need to ease that up. Wait, does Brenna join them? No. No, Brenna doesn't even join them on the balcony. Yeah, I bet you Brenna dies in the first draft. Anyway, um let's see here. Where am I at? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're punching their way to freedom and they're making a stop at uh the liberating an entire group junction, right? Hey, all y'all are being lied to. And these hoity-toity jerks in the dome can do their own shoveling for a while. Hooray! Hooray! That's basically the end. Yeah. So, uh, you've watched this again, and it's sort of like watching it the first time, apparently. Sort (laughs) of. A little bit. (laughs) So, what'd you think about it this time around? Well, so I'm glad that you brought in the context that we reviewed this thing back in May of 2020, because now all of a sudden, the reason why I can't really remember this episode is making a whole lot of sense. <laughs> there was a lot. There was a lot going on in May there of 2020. There was a lot going on in 2020. There was a lot going on in May of 2020. And um, uh, yeah. And so, you know, this time around, I'm watching. I'm like, right, right, right. This this one. It's this one. Um there was a couple of aspects about it that I kind of felt like uh, kind of were getting in the way of each, uh, of each other in the telling of this story. There was there was this like this story of uh, privilege versus underprivilege that was happening, where the administrator is this careless, heartless jerk face that does not care about the plight of people, mm-hmm. doesn't doesn't see these people as people. And uh, even even so far as uh, willing to kidnap and enslave 
individuals who are critical of the system, right? So he's he's clearly a super evil dude, super evil dude. Yeah. And then you got this other story of SG-1 trying to remember who they are. And the two only ever really come together at the end in a like Superman comic style, like punch, kapow, ta-da. Like it, it, it kind of hit the climax in a way that didn't feel all that climactic. Not really, not to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a, there was a decent amount of like hand wavy that was happening at exactly the right time in this episode. Like, Everyone was starting to kind of figure out exactly who they were at exactly the right time. Like all of them. Teal had a bit of a head start. Like, you know what I mean? There was there was there was something about it that was a little bit felt a little bit too easy. Um, but I'm shrugging my shoulders right now. Like, what are you gonna do? Like, yeah. like you know, you, you got you got 43 minutes to tell a story, and the story that you want to tell is uh let's tell a story about the haves and haves nots. Uh, let's have SG one in there, and how do we get SG one to be integrated into the society of people who are who are um, uh, underprivileged on this one? Let's have them not know who they are and are forced to work it. So then now you're building a scenario of okay, well how do you how do you create a plausible situation that has your heroes not remember who they are? You have this process where you get stamped and no 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 you know like they got this thing and it, it worked it worked, but the the part of me kind of what I, I you know I, I i don't know if this kind of doesn't feel like a story that was written as a continuous story from the start it kind of feels like there were two story ideas that kind of worked together so they ended up kind of putting them together hmm. but it didn't really blend and and that not really blending is real subtle it's super subtle like it's not how best to describe it it's not like the two ideas don't go together at all. It's not, it's not like we're talking about oil and water here. But what we are having here is just something that doesn't quite really strengthen each other. You got a story here and a story there, and they don't really build on each other it, like a wonderful story with an A and B plot can. Um, you've just got an A story and a B story, and then they kind of intersect there at minute you know, 41. So the two, the, the two stories are the stories of... Uh, SG one under the ice, and then uh, Calder, the 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 administrator, talking with yeah. Hammond and such. Is that what you're talking about? Uh, more or less. Yeah. No, that's a good point. I forgot about this other thing. I I, I really did forget about the let's go find SG one. Um, <laughs> that's because it's forgettable, uh, Brent. <laughs> it, it really is forgettable. You're right. You're right. So it I mean, I needed. I was thinking. Oh, agreed. It it provided the impetus for Hammond to. Oh, it totally wasn't needed. SG one got themselves out. Yeah. Anyway, um, all right, <laughs> right. There was that whole line that Hammond even said. That's why I'm going to be sending a covert search and rescue mission. That, that wow, wow. That, yeah, that, that whole that, mm, yeah. That has to do with my happen. comments. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, I got to tell you though that when I saw Terrell Rothery on screen, like there, there was definitely a moment where I'm like, oh, ouch. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> I, I felt a little ouch, <laughs> just a little, just yeah, a little. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I get um, that. uh, yeah, Jenna Fraser is a great character. Anyway, um, uh, yeah, that, right. I completely forgot about that whole thing. So no, my my A and B story are, um, you know, let's think about the horribleness of exploitation. Mm-hmm. That's one of the stories, and let's watch our heroes solve the mystery of who they are. That was the oh, other okay. story. Okay, got it. 
and and those two stories didn't really help each other out as the as the as the episode progressed. Um, they did intersect at the end, and they did intersect at the end with our cowboys saving the day and uh, uh, rescuing one half of a civilization while dooming the other half. Like, <laughs> like oh. sounds like you do your own shoveling for a while. It's like you think that's going to happen, or do you think that the other half is going to find a new way to create a new half? Yeah. They've got mm-hmm. a stamp after all. That's right. And down into the mines they go. You're not actually saving the day at all. Um and and if and if his hope <laughs> I'm turning into such a cynic, Zach. Uh, if his hope is that by by blowing out the skylight is gonna have all of the city folk above look down at the plight of the individuals who are working and they're gonna the city folk above are gonna go, My goodness, how terrible. We must do something about Mm-mm. no. Nope. <laughs> nope. They're going to look down and they're going to go, my goodness, how terrible. And they're going to look over and they're going to say, you need to do something about that. And the you is going to go, you're right. I will. And they're going to rebuild a window. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they're going to do. And the city folk above are going to go, is everybody fine? And the person that they put in charge is going to go, yes. <laughs> everybody is fine. Go about your day. Oh, boy. Anyway. Um, yeah. So, you know, my thoughts about this one. I think this one was a bit of a of a complicated episode that um, didn't really work that well. Um, but uh, it wasn't, wasn't that bad. It was fun. It was definitely fun watching the actors portray aspects of the characters that are different than the aspects that we typically see. Sure. Yeah. So we have elements of our main characters clearly still there. 100% still there. It's just in a totally different context and with an additional different context that they think they're different people, but they still have a lot of those attributes. So watching those attributes play in a very different contextual environment was quite enjoyable. I did like it. Um, some of the dramatic tension aspects of it were really kind of silly. Um, like, uh keegan no what's her name uh, uh the uh, other the other k name yeah. um uh the tension between her and um i guess it's carter was it or who so yeah she was denying bread to to carter to carter yeah that Even was a though, bunch of stuff that that felt like it didn't add anything to the story no not really um and then she's got that line it's like if you're friends with them you're not friends with me Right. I mean, while I certainly know people who would be like that. Right. Um, it here again, it didn't it didn't really further the story. It, it just she doesn't like Thera. Okay, fine. Uh, and you know, but it it felt contrived. It did. And even even the climax at the end, like it was clear that she was going to be the voice of doubt, but all it took was you know, all it took was a was a minute in the sunshine, a yeah. second in the sunshine, and bang, like that. That's the end of that. So then, like, why have her be so hostile? You know, it just didn't really seem to make sense. Um, yeah. So you know, again, it, this isn't an oil and water situation, but this is definitely something where there's a whole lot of parts in here, and they don't really seem to enhance any other part of it. And it wasn't that bad. It just wasn't that good either. Yeah. So that's kind of my general thoughts. What do you What do you think about this one again? So I'm kind of in the same boat as you. Um. You know, I, I it felt good at the beginning, like the first little bit when you see what's going on and you're like, oh, well, this is interesting. 
Um, and then every time it went to the SGC, I got bored. Because yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't... I mean, it, it's not like Hammond sends in the, the troops and they're the ones that save the day. If that's what happened, then that matters. Yes. But it, but SG-1 saves themselves, which is fine. Yep. I don't care yeah. either way. But if SG-1 is going to save themselves, then we don't need to tell the story of that other thing. It's only right. there to give Don S. Davis, as much as I love Don S. Davis, something to do. Right. And there have been episodes we've seen already where, where he's not in it because he's not part of the story. And that's fine. And mm-hmm. so this is just added to add him, and it, it was pointless. It served nothing to the story. Um, and so every time that happened, I got bored. And I mean, I had a really hard time focusing on this episode. Mm-hmm. Something I did notice this time that I hadn't noticed before is when uh, administ- the administrator and Brenna are talking for the first time. Right? She comes and she's like, here's a work report. And, and you know, Thera has these great ideas, blah, blah, blah. He doesn't actually touch the report. Yes, I noticed that. He gets that. his handkerchief out and he yes, grabs it there. he gets his handkerchief there. out and holds it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and when he finally hands it back, he uses the handkerchief to wipe his hands. Yes. I hadn't noticed that before. And I sa- I'm like, that is a cool little touch to just... Yes. Uh, it, it, you know, who is this guy? I mean, he is so slimy that yep. Brenna is, you know, grime. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um... You know, so, and then he's like, so, no, I want you to go and tell them all of the bad news and all of that stuff and blah, 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 blah. And Brenna is clearly like, I don't really want to do that because I think that this idea that Thera has is a good idea and we should totally do it. And he's like, no, 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 no. And this got me thinking about something that has happened um, in in the present. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm part of a church, right, Brent? Mm-hmm. And there has been a segment of my particular denomination in the west of the country that has been dealing with a severe issue of racism, and it's mm-hmm. causing a lot of consternation, a lot of problems and struggles within the whole denomination. Mm-hmm. And one of the pieces of this is that the bishop sends one of the um, assistants to the bishop, I don't know, one of the other people in the office um, but not their self, uh, to go to this community to say that this person is being, you know, to give the bad news. Right. And the person being sent is being sent because they're the ones that happen to know Spanish. Right. And they are, and the particular person who's being sent is also one who doesn't, uh, who didn't fully believe in the message that, that she was being sent to say. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> oh, and so as I was boy. watching this, I was just the the emotions and the feeling yes. of all of that was going there. Um, obviously, this is not talking to that directly at all, but it is an element of you know something that we got to realize is that those who are in power mm-hmm. can and will, especially if they are feeling 
Well, whether they're feeling, nef- whether they are nefarious or not, whether they're mustache twirling or not, you know, I mean, no evil person ever thinks of themselves as evil. But right. the person in power will send other people to do the bidding of the people in power, even if the people who are being sent to do the bidding aren't convinced that the bidding is the right thing to do. But now oh, yeah. they're stuck in the system and have to do that and then have to deal with the consequences therein. And. Sorry. I'm not even getting half of what I should be saying at this point in time, but it's just, ah, yes. Yeah. And that was, and that's, that's a worthy story of, I think that's a worthy story to tell. I think it's worthy. I think that uh, examining through storytelling and through science fiction, examining the methods of those of us who have comfortable lives, how we have comfortable lives is important mm-hmm. because we have comfortable lives because somebody else has done a lot of work and that somebody else could be somebody half a world away with very small hands or that somebody else could be somebody right in our neighborhood who's doing a job that we don't want to do and we pay them very poorly for it. Like, like it, it, it spans the gambit. Yeah. And that question, that examination, I think is worthwhile. And it was one of the stories in here, though it wasn't a very deep story. It just kind of was. I think that, I mean, keep in mind, this is this is produced in 2000. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I mean, that was literally a lifetime ago uh, for yes. some. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this was produced, uh, and they were filming this well before 9-11, which was a watershed moment for the entire global culture of things. Yes. Um, right. Certainly, United States culture, if if not the world, um, uh, my sense is that it has global uh, implications. Um, mm-hmm. But it would have been possible in this episode to cut out all the stuff in the SGC because I love I, I love Fraser, I love Hammond. You know, yes. uh, the the major whomever was leading the guys who went to the planet and had to go you know dig through the sun, the 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 snow to say nope they're not there. Right. Uh, he did a great job. That was all wonderful, but it didn't sure. really further the story at all. It no. didn't. So you could have cut all of that, and then you would have had six or seven minutes or more. I don't know exactly how much that was. Mm-hmm. That you could mm-hmm. have expanded, um, you know, Brenna's connection to the administrator, the administrator's um, experience of, of of the culture. Uh, you know, who were these people? Uh, what were what you know did. So there's a couple of ways that this could have gone, right? The the people above the surface may have been oblivious to what was happening Probably underground. Were yeah, right? <laughs> yes. In which case, the uh, revelation that all of this is happening could have had a tremendous effect on them. Yeah, um, I'm shrugging because I'm still cynical, but I hear what you're saying. I I, I don't I'm I'm just saying what could have been. I mean, Correct. I think I think you're probably right that even if they didn't know what was going on, they would have been like, "Oh, that's terrible." Well, we should totally do something different. And the leaders would say, "Okay, we've done something different." What do they do? They stamped different people. Yeah. <laughs> yep, it's different. Um, you know, but then on the other side, what if the people who are on the surface are complicit? Yes. What if they know about this? What if this is the primary fear? Right? Like, if right. you do something wrong, uh, Calder said there was no crime. I have a feeling that there, I have a hard time believing that there was zero crime. But mm-hmm. what if the crime was being sent to the mines? Right. The punishment was being sent to the mines. Right. right. Or the prime. The, the punishment was being sent to the yep. mi- mines. Yep. Uh, and if that's the case, uh, now they're all complicit. 
Um, yeah. I, you know, uh, who knows? Totally. Uh, there was stuff there that that uh, it felt like what they were trying to do is tell a story about SG-1 not knowing who they were and trying to figure it out. Right, right. And they used this other stuff as the background for that. And yep. on my, for my money, I would have rather seen the background be the primary thing that they talk about. And sure. if in the process of that, they have lost their memory, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I'm, I'm willing to allow for the writers to go the other way with it, where the story of the mystery, figuring out the mystery of who they are is actually the primary thing. And we don't really get a good idea as to why there's this like group of people like slaving away down in this weird factory thing. Sure. Um, and the whole episode is them piecing it together. It's going to be a, it's going to be like a whodunit type of a thing. That would be that would be a good episode. Yeah. Though it would not be a political one, but it would be an enjoyable thing to watch. Uh, instead, I feel like we have this story that says worker exploitation bad, and it's true it is bad. But instead of describing why it's bad, they just like cross their arms and go, "Isn't it?" And then you're like, "I mean, yeah, but." You know, unless you actually are starting to tell some kind of emotional story about it, all we're sitting here doing is like, well, yeah, it is. So what? Yeah. Like, yep. like, okay, what, what's what? Tell me, tell me more. Tell me why, why, why should we spend time t- thinking about that sentence rather than thinking about the problem? And uh, and and that gets me into a whole other thing of I. Uh, I personally have a really big, you know, gear grinding issue with individuals who take up, uh, take up issues because it's fashionable. Uh, and it feels like that is evident when, uh, the issue that they, they take up is that like, they they can't speak eloquently as to why it matters or they uh, don't seem to actually understand how that impacts their life. And they, then therefore they, they make different decisions as a result of it. It just feels like the the topic du jour. And then they move on to the next thing that that really, that really frustrates me. And so while I'm not about to levy that kind of criticism against Heather Ash at all, um, because I just don't know the story feels like one of those things. The story feels like a save the whales moment, but we're not actually like, talking about why whale saving matters like we're just we're just we're just going like yeah woo save them um let's make it part of the story you know on on that front i think that well i i hear your criticism and uh i get it um at the same time the reality is that for meaningful things to change uh, there needs to be a group of people who understand the what's and the whys that things should change. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to get everyone to the place mm-hmm. that that needs to change, um, the the what's and the whys and the hows and how to talk about it eloquently, that's not practical. And so getting a group of people who uh, find the, the topic of the day, right? The, the topic yep. du jour, uh, to to throw their their hat or their money in uh, provides a, some some uh, cultural push to shift things mm. to change things potentially um, even if they aren't able to articulate all the with clarity That's or fair. eloquence the yep. the value therein yep. yep because with every with every philosophical discussion. And I mean that in that very meta sense, which is hilarious because that's what philosophy is. Um, 
Yep. It, 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 you're always fighting on the margins, right? You're never fighting in the base. You're always fighting on the margins. Um, you know, you will never, this is hyperbole, but it, it rings true. You will never convince somebody with firmly held beliefs of something other than their firmly held beliefs. Sure. And so you, so you're never arguing. And I mean that in the argument style, not the arguing like on Facebook. Um, you're never going to argue. You're never going to create an argument that's going to convince them differently. But you can engage that conversation in a forum where those on the margins are observing, mm-hmm. and then they can make choices based off of what you say. Yep. Um, I want to shift gears because I have a couple more comments yeah. about this specific episode. Yes. Um, one, uh, O'Neill says, hey, all you workers, let's go to this nice tropical planet. Which, yes. okay, uh, there's a lot of issues with that, but we're just going to gloss over that. My question Liberia. was, what about Brenna? Mm-hmm. Right? Brenna is clearly not in the category of the administrator. Right. Right? She is against them, uh, against him and, and that system to some degree. And yet at the same time, she was the face of that system for the workers. Yes. Will she be accepted on oh, right? this tropical planet, wherever no they end way. up going? <laughs> no way. No way. Absolutely not. You know, and is that fair? Shrug, but but is it going to happen? Nope. You know, and, and you know, do you lie about it and says no, no, no? She, you know, I mean, who knows? I don't know. But but that was just something that popped into my head. Uh, some you know, and and even that question goes well and truly beyond the purview and scope of this episode, and probably shouldn't or didn't need to be addressed in this episode. But it was something that popped into my head as I was watching this episode. Um, I want to stick a pin in that, but I want to let you keep going. Um, and then the other thing I have is the whole shooting of the bullet, the, the, the glass. I mean, yes. Okay, so let's just imagine this: we have this giant factory, <laughs> okay, that's mm-hmm. underground. Yes. And we have this big giant pane of glass that is horizontal. Yes. Um, on the ceiling. Yes. Of this. Light comes in through this, so and we've been told that the the ice age is on the other side of that glass. Yes. Okay. Wouldn't you want something that has some greater strength than that which can be shattered into a million pieces by a single bullet? I've got an explanation. Uh uh-huh. it, it it's that the people in the factory don't realize it can be shattered into a million pieces with a single bullet. No, 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 no. They think. No, no, that, that's not my issue. My issue is that if this, okay, nature is wild. Oh, yeah. Nature is dangerous. And if you're in a blizzardy ice age of a planet right now. Yeah. Uh, wouldn't you want something more powerful than a single pane of glass that could be broken by anything that happened to be reasonably sharp in, you know, I mean. You know. But that pane of glass is separating the factory from the city. So it doesn't need to be. It needs to be an illusion. It needs to It needs to have the illusion of holding back the ice. Okay. You live in a city, Brent. Yes. Okay. Um, are the roads in your city clean? No. <laughs> I rest my case. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, that whole that whole ending scene, that whole ending scene, I I I don't like. I don't like. Um, there's there's this there's this there's moral cavalierness to it 
this John Wayne aspect to it, this this we're clearly right and you're clearly wrong aspect to it. Um, and in no way am I advocating for slave labor. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that uh, you don't solve it. I mean, we just joked about it. You don't solve it by shooting the skylight out because sure, fine, all those people go to the nice tropical Liberia, but then everybody else uh, back on the surface then gets separated into a haves and haves nots and the haves nots go get stamped and they go down in the factory. Like you didn't create social change. But, 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 this is a television show, right? Like, let's pretend that it does create social change. Like, I think the reason why I'm kind of banging on it a little bit, though, is that um, that our stories are our stories are our less uh, lessons. Um, Storytelling is an aspect of humanity that teaches. And that's been a thing since we ever figured out we could do this. Mm-hmm. Um, we tell stories to communicate information. And even the most fluffiest of fluff pieces are communicating some kind of information. And we learn from them. And that's why we kind of get bent out of shape when we're examining what stories we're telling ourselves and how we're like... And this is, an, this is another one of those moments where, we're, where I'm going to get us bent out of shape because... The story that's being told is you can affect real change in the world if all you do is disrupt a little bit. That's what the message is, right? You blow away a skylight and you've changed the world. That's what the message is. Now, no, it's being it's being trite because it has to be. It's being trite because it's 43 minutes of television. It's being trite because it's not actually wanting to delve into the examination of what it takes to create social change. That's not, that's not what it's trying to do. It's trying to create a moment that makes people go, huh. Yeah, those people do deserve better and they're getting better. That makes me feel good. That's what it's trying to do. And so it kind of does it. But you end up now creating the narrative that says, and therefore, viewer, if you want to create social change, all you have to do is just blow out a skylight and bang, it it happens. Like, no, it doesn't. (laughs) Not at all. Uh, We're joking about what happens when you blow out a skylight. They build a new skylight. They tell everybody everything's fine. Most everybody believes them. That's what happens. Yep. Like, and, and creating genuine social change is a process and it is a lot of work and it's very hard and it doesn't, it doesn't feel good. (laughs) It doesn't feel good. And people live their entire lives, sometimes natural, sometimes not where they, uh, try to affect this kind of change and they never see the end of it, right? Like, they, like it's just a thing that they're just always going to be doing for the rest of their lives. This is tired. This is, this is wearisome work. There are entire philosophies and religions which are basically telling you you're never going to stop working at this, but you have to keep working at this, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Like, that, 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 they, that there's a piece of this thing. This is, this is a piece of the human, the human story for sure. Yeah. So I'm a little grumpy because they glossed it. And they glossed it in a weird little way. And I think they glossed it, speaking of 2000, they glossed it in a way where like hyper-globalization was like going to solve all of our problems. Like the internet was going to be the way that we end up into the utopia of the next era because information will be free and flowing everywhere. And we're all just going to know that exploiting workers is bad. Like there's there's all these things that were happening at that era, which were assumptions. And I think I see <laughs> echoes of it here and I don't like them. So I'm going to gripe about it. Yeah. But I mean, I keep throwing my hands up in the air. Like, what are you gonna do? <laughs> this is, this is, this is a forty-three minutes of a sci-fi show. We're not gonna, we're not gonna solve world hunger with it. So, you know, um, I did have a pin. Yes. 
you were talking about uh, what are they going to do with Brenna? No, wait a minute. What was the pin? It was. I was talking about Brenna. Where does Brenna go when you put yeah. the pin in? Did I put the pin in there? Why did I put the pin in there? Oh, yeah. Because in storytelling, um, this was something that really fascinated me when I first learned it. Just because it's like, really? Do people really do this when they write stories? Deaths of characters are from a from a structural point of view of storytelling the death of a character is deemed a punishment for deeds done in the story and uh i've always found that idea a bit fascinating like you know um back in the uh i can't remember the name of the code the the motion picture code uh that was happening before ratings of movies but there was this whole list of things that you could or couldn't do in a movie you can't uh, you can't show a man and a woman not married engaged in any kind of a relationship other than just the beginnings of flirting or maybe a little date here and there, that type of thing. You can't show use of uh, drugs or tobacco use. I don't think you can show tobacco use. You can't show alcohol use and you can't show. Um, there were all these rules. There were all these rules. Right. And then uh, when when studying film, it then becomes kind of fun to watch ways in which directors got around the rules by creating scenes that didn't do what didn't do what was written on the letter, but you clearly understood what was happening. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it happened one night is a movie where uh, there's this particular scene where these two people who aren't married get real close to each other and the camera drifts away to look at a pane of glass with rain beating on it. And we all know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> we all know what happened, but we didn't show it. So it passes the rules. Um so the death of a character, uh, so a, a, a woman character who uh, uh, was unfaithful in any of these stories basically had to die by the end of it. That was the rule, is that if she lived, that was an endorsement of that bad behavior. So therefore, she must perish. And so when when I was realizing that um, Alder, was that his name? Calder? Calder, um, I think. Administrator. Yeah, yeah. Pulls the trigger. And I realized that that um, Brenna got winged and down she goes. And then all of a sudden I'm like, wait a minute. We never see those. Like, I think the first draft was that she died. So if that's true, then also hearkening in this old storytelling method, I wonder if she died in that first draft because she was complicit. Right. So her actions of complicity deemed it worthy for the character to perish and then on rewatch people were like that's a little that's a little harsh that's a little harsh should we kill every middle manager i'm not sure that's the message we want to be sending to a bunch of people watching shows that are middle managers that that doesn't seem like the right thing to do so i think that's why brenna lives honestly um uh is that uh, they they softened it up because of the, the whole scene worked like seems to work better if she perishes right there right calder doesn't seem at all concerned that she's still alive he doesn't pull the trigger again <laughs> he, he immediately he immediately levels his gun on the on the other people like he thinks he thinks she's done for with the uh, with that shot to the arm like done for the ever for, forever you know i guess you could make the argument well they're planning on stamping her and throwing you know what i mean i guess you could do that but um so that was the pin so i'm i appreciate the pin i'm not sure i agree with it because yeah um Generally speaking, uh, in Stargate, characters don't die that have been named, unless they're you know die uh, you know or it yes. is explicitly part of the plot for them to die. Yes, right. So she didn't have to die. 
it wasn't any. I mean, you know, it wasn't important to the story that she should have died at that point in time, and she had right. a name. In which case, she didn't die. She lives. She lives. Yes. Also, That's fair. Uh, for the same reason or a similar reason, this is why when the glass shards fall from the sky, they just seem to disappear and not oh, yeah. gash, you know, <laughs> and not and not puncture everybody's eyes. <laughs> um, so, 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 as this was happening, I had in my head thinking, glass shards are falling on my head, <laughs> and I've got gashes, and I'll soon have bled to death. Ooh. Dying's not for me, because <laughs> I've got glass shards in my poor face. They keep falling because we're free. <laughs> Nothing's worrying me. Wow, there's like a whole section of listeners, probably the majority, oh, wow. who have no idea what song we're singing right now. Oh, that's funny. But there oh. you go. All right, Brent. Yep. Yes. Uh, it is time now. Uh, mm-hmm. So I have a question for you. I'll, I'll let you choose. Yes. Um, okay. Do you want to know what your thoughts were the first time we watched this before or after you give your new uh, prediction or new oh, rating? Oh, after. After. All right. No, I want to give our ratings and then I want to be surprised because I bet you I had lots to say about this episode. All right. So what's your new rating? Yeah. Okay. So it's a middling story. I think it kind of tries to do some fun things. And the fun things that it does, it does okay. It does okay. Especially the character stuff where the characters get to do their thing. It's a lot of fun. The story itself doesn't really seem to go together at all um it kind of works sort of and it ends in the way too clean of a fashion literally like the glass shards turn into dust it's that's how clean it is um i'm gonna give this one a three out of seven it's not that good um but it's not like a complete disaster but on the other hand like i mean i i guess i can definitely say it's forgettable because <laughs> you literally forgot about it because i totally forgot about this story yeah 100 percent. yeah yeah so three out of seven for me what about you um you know for the same reasons i'm gonna give it a three um yep. it, it's it, it's an episode that for me is always uh boring there are parts of it that are exciting there there is an element of a story in this that i i want to like and then i watch it and i'm like okay Yep. So, three. All right. Yep. Here we go. Okay. Uh, Brent, you said you liked the character moments in the first half of the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, the class struggle story was only able to tread water before sinking at the end. Yes. <laughs> uh, it took a right-wrong argument and tried to solve it with power dominance. Yes. And your quote is... Do not expect me to be happy with this. <laughs> that sounds like a me thing through yeah. and through. <laughs> um, you did give yeah. this episode four out of seven chevrons because of the actors. You liked the, the actors yeah. and what they did. Yeah. Um, yep. Me. This is what mm-hmm. I said. So interesting questions, good sets and directing, and good yeah, character moments. Good. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'd think adding all this together that you would have a good episode, but it just doesn't <laughs> do it for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my quote is, this episode is kind of a snooze fest. <laughs> kind of a snooze fest. Yep. Um, so uh, this is sort of a clash of sci-fi what if questions and sg1 fun yeah um 
Yeah. I gave this two and a half chevrons. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, I definitely um, tore this in apart. Uh, yeah. I, I was a little bit... Apparently, I was a little more generous today than that. Um, yeah, we're feeling a little better than we were then. Yeah. You know. Uh, so... Uh, yeah, we didn't have any listener comments on this episode, so that's fine. If you have any comments about this episode or thoughts yeah. on what we said here, uh, please uh, talk to us. Email us at yeah, walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. Go to Twitter, Facebook, uh, the Discords. That's another option. Uh, yep. Visit us on our website, wtts.space or walkingthroughthestargate.com. Yep. Uh, all of those things. That's where. Um Again, Patreon supporters, thank you very much yes, uh, thank for, you. for supporting the show. And if you listeners want to be, support the show and are able, uh, you can do that at patreon.com slash walking through. Yep. Um, awesome. With that, I say I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Stargate Second Chances, a walking through the Stargate podcast. See you next time. Bye. Bye.